You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning. Uh, it's great to come to church on Time Change Sunday, isn't it? You should have seen the 8.30. They look like zombies this morning, but they powered through, right? Uh, good to see you guys today. Uh, you know, back in the early 2000s, I was kind of interested in this film, and it was called Wind Talkers. And Wind Talkers was about these uh, code speakers who were Native American guys that uh, helped send these, I guess, encoded, encrypted communications during the first couple of world wars. Um, in fact, if you go back to World War One, it was going to be the Choctaw and Cherokee Indians that were used as these code talkers. And then if you get to World War II, it was mostly the Navajo and some other tribes. But um, the enemy was never able to pick up on these coded messages that were going to the front lines of the battle. And this was fascinating uh, to me as I read about this. So little did these young Native American men know when they walked through the door of that military recruiter's office that they would make an impact on the outcome of two world wars because of their native languages. And you know, God speaks to us in a sense in a code And we have a spiritual enemy that doesn't always understand that code. But what you got to understand the good news today is that God wants you to understand his language, how he speaks, whispers, and communicates to us today. We know that God's first language isn't English. It's not Spanish, Portuguese, or Mandarin, any language that we know. God has been communicating long before we created our languages. And so we've seen that God speaks through these whispers. Um, We saw early on in the series that God speaks through people, promptings, and pain. Uh, We saw last week that God speaks through our desires. And if you missed that one, want to go back and check the podcast, go to our website, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click podcast. You can find it there. Today, we're going to look at how God speaks through doors. Next week, we're going to explore dreams. But We've used this definition of a whisper is that it's a gentle, creative, and intimate communication from God. God speaks to us in these gentle, creative kinds of ways, and we've been making this declaration that not only do we want to hear the whispers, but we want to have the what? Say it out loud with me. Gus to respond. You're kind of like, time change, Pastor Doug, I need more coffee. Gus to respond. Let's try it one more time, okay? Here we go. We want to hear the whispers, and... Boom, chakalaka. I love it when you do it like that. Um, But today, I want to kind of ask you, if presented with the right doors, do you have the guts to walk through the door? Not like, shame on you, do you have the guts, like, you know, machismo kind of thing. No, but it's, it's like, more like, I believe you do have the guts to respond when the doors are presented before you. And you know, these doors represent like opportunities in our lives. And so you think about how your life has changed when you've gone through different doors. Remember um, the door of the car that you went through to take your driver's license test? Does anybody remember that? And it changed your whole reality when you got your driver's license, you could drive. Some of you remember the door to your first apartment. You remember that? Well, you walked in there, it's like, whoa, I'm independent. You know, I'm out from under mom and dad's roof. You know, that was great. Some of you remember walking through the threshold of the door to purchase your first home. Some of you have done that. Um, and that's a big deal, isn't it? It changes your, you think to yourself, wow, I own this place. I mean, I, this is my place. Um, some of you remember as parents, the door of the elementary school where you dropped off your kid to go to kindergarten for the first time. 
That changed your kid, didn't it? It changed you, you know, when you saw your little kid, this little big kid, you know, with a big old backpack on his or her back, you know, and they walked through that door and it changed their reality, but it changed yours too. She's like, oh no, they're growing up right before my eyes. Uh, some of you remember other significant doors in your life. Some of you remember the first time that you walked through the doors of this theater or this church and how your life has changed since you've been coming because you've allowed God to do some great things in your lives. And the Bible talks a lot about doors and gates and entrances. And today we're going to focus in on Revelation chapter three. So if you have your Bible, open up there. If not, we'll have it on the screens for you. But look at Revelation three, seven, and it talks about God's doors of opportunity. It says, what he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. And look at what God says. I know all the things you do and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. So God's got some doors of opportunity for you that no one can close. And if you think about, uh, some of you have some significant doors in front of you, don't you? Some of you, it's time to go through the door of a counselor to work on those issues and those core uh, struggles and wounds that you've had, and it'll change you. Some of you are walking through doors of opportunities for new jobs and it will change your life. Some of you are walking through the doors of new relationships, aren't you? In fact, sometimes I tease those of you that are single that uh, you got to close your phone during church because you're looking on your Tinder account, you know, thinking about a door of opportunity that you're trying to go through. You know what I mean? Uh, there are also the doors of buying homes or the opportunities to serve others in new ways, you know? So how do you know what door to walk through? Because a lot of you are like, man, I've got, I've got like door number one, door number two and three, and they're all good doors to walk through. So how do I know? Well, I want to show you four ways that you can discern the right door to walk through. And I got these from Mark Batterson. Number one is the peace test. Do I feel peace about walking through the door? If you look in the Bible in Colossians chapter three, verse 15, uh, Paul says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. So this doesn't mean that walking through a particular door is not a risk or that it won't make you feel nervous. I mean, but it's just you have a peace that you know it's the right thing to do. When Jeannie and I were asked to be on the team to start up the first city church, it was a risk. We were nervous about it because I knew I would have to work for free uh, to start out with, you know, but um, we, we knew, we just had this peace in our hearts that it was the right thing to do, even though it took faith and a little bit of courage to try it out. Uh, but look at number two, a check in the spirit test, a check in your spirit test. Do I feel a check in my spirit or uh, uneasy about walking through the door? It's like this feeling of uneasiness where you just can't ignore that gnawing uh, on the inside of you. It's like your sixth sense that you know something isn't quite right. And when you have a check in your spirit as you're walking in the spirit of God, I would recommend not walking through that door until you have peace. And sometimes you have to ask people around you that you trust that are your wise counsel. So look at number three, the wise counsel test. Uh, do wise counselors in your life advise you walking through that door? Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. It says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And I don't make any decision 
in my life, any big decision. I don't walk through any big door in my life unless I've talked to my personal board of directors is what I call them, uh, my wise counsel. But look at number four, uh, the release from and called to test. Do you feel released from previous responsibilities and called to new ones? Earlier, you heard Jake talking about how he felt a sense of release from the church that he loved in Abilene. And once he felt a release from there, then he could receive the calling here. And we thank God that he brought Jake and Natalie here uh, to help us in our worship experiences uh, here at City Church downtown. Um, But a lot of doors that we're thinking about are our individual doors, right? I mean, you're thinking right now, hey, what about this job or this relationship or, uh, you know, this opportunity to do this or that for my personal life? But I think we also have to think about this in a corporate sense, together. As Western thinkers, we always think as individuals, Eastern thinkers uh, understand Bible concepts of community and togetherness and tribe. And we are a spiritual community. We are a tribe. And God has presented some doors for us to walk through together. And I wanna show you those here in just a minute. Um, And they mostly relate to Easter. But before we get there, I wanna explain to you a picture that came to my head as I was reflecting, praying, and thinking about this particular topic today. Um, The picture came to my mind of a door within a door frame, and there are four sides to that frame if you include the bottom threshold uh, there. And the first side of the door um, would be repentance, repentance. And I got this from Revelation 3, the passage we're studying, uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 1. Look at it with me. I know all the things you do, that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. And what's that word? Say it out loud with me. Repent and turn to me again, God says. Now, when you hear hear the word repent, some of you have some baggage with that word repent because you just hear someone yelling at you in judgment. But God's desire for you to repent is not to make you feel shamed and guilted, but rather it's to transform you. The word repent is metanoia, and it's like metamorphosis that you go through. And I wanna show you what's called a kairos moment. Earlier in the series, I mentioned briefly the kairos moment, but it's a moment in your life that makes you kind of cock your head and think about something. Um, something that maybe it's a conversation with someone, a confrontation, a problem that happens, and the X marks the moment of a Kairos experience. And when you have a Kairos experience, a moment of opportunity, you enter what's called the learning circle and you repent and believe. You change and believe God. And what happens there is you kind of, uh, with your spiritual community and your tribe, you observe what happened to you and then uh, you reflect upon that particular experience and you discuss it. And then with your wise counsel, you create a plan to be accountable to them, to act upon what you've learned from the experience. And that's how you change. But look at Revelation chapter three, verse 15 with me. Um, He says there, Jesus says, I know all the things that you do and that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. 
And so God uses the metaphor of a drink. We all have our favorite drinks. Some of them we like to be hot, like our hot coffee. Some of them we like to be cold, like our soft drinks. We like, we refrigerate them so that they're cold. And I brought today um, a great Topo Chico. And uh, I think that this passage from Revelation is designed for God to shake us up a little bit, to make us think about repentance in our spiritual lives, because he literally says, uh, some of you are the kind of drink that makes me want to, when I put you in my mouth, I just want to spit you out. And so when you think about that, uh, is your spiritual life one in which God wants to just spit you out? And so this drink is going to be really exciting here in just a minute. Now, how many of you believe that uh, I am a mature man who would never open this up and spray it on, on you? How many of you believe that? My feelings are a little bit hurt right now. You don't want to cross me when I have a loaded Topo Chico. But here's, I believe, the prophetic picture for us is that some of our spiritual lives are like that drink that's been left in the refrigerator too long, you know, then it's already been opened. And someone put the top back on it. And then when you're expecting to have this great bubbly drink, you open it and it's like, you know, there's, there's no fizz. There's no, you know, it's just like, but what God desires for you and I to be are these drinks that like spray out his grace and love everywhere to have the appropriate amount of fizz and energy to our spiritual lives. And if you feel like kind of your spiritual life is kind of stale, it's sometimes a whisper from God to repent and enter the learning circle and change, see? Now, the second part of the frame of the door involves the poor. And I believe that one of the reasons why God has smiled upon our church down here is because we're trying and we've tried since we began uh, this church down here to love the poor, uh, to care for the poor, to be for and with the poor because some of us, are living below the poverty level. And uh, the Bible had to correct some people in Revelation 3 because they forgot from where they'd come. Look at Revelation 3, 17. He says, you say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And there are some of us that have gotten to a place where we're comfortable or we're making enough or things are good. And it's like, we forgot from where we've come and we forget the people that God wants us to focus on because we don't want any drama in our lives, right? And so we just stay away from people who are under-resourced or we think, well, I need to get the next level up, see, of uh, resources or uh, uh, toys that I want for myself. But God says, hey, I've blessed you but don't forget the poor. And I believe this is one of the doors of opportunity that we have coming at Easter time because we've uh, gotten to be friends with the people at CAM, Christian Assistance Ministry, that helps people on the streets and the people that are struggling. And we've got an opportunity for Easter to show the city that we care about the poor, to show people in our community that we love them and care about them, even if they don't have all the stuff that some of us have, you know? And so we asked Kim, 
what do people really need? Because you guys know that we want to wisely give. We don't want to just throw stuff out there, you know, that people don't really need and just get rid of our old crap that's laying around the garage or something like that. And so they told us what is needed are these four things. And we're going to show them to you. And we're going to give you the opportunity to give these things at Easter service for our uh, for San Antonio drive. Men's underwear, new ones, by the way. Um, women's bras, uh, men's jeans and the sizes you see on screen, uh, men's shoes. And so I want to ask you something. I want to ask you how many of you will join with me in walking through this doorway at Easter time. And look, I'm going to do a raise of hands on this. And if you don't raise your hands, don't receive any guilt and shame. Nobody's better than anybody else here, right? That's the way we see it. But how many of you just out of the overflow of your heart and spiritual life would like to partner with me and walk through this door on Easter and bring one or some more of these things that are on screen. Excellent. Thank you guys for that. We can walk through this door. Now, a third frame of the door involves the unbelieving. And I believe that another reason that God has smiled on our church is because we've always been mindful of what we call our spiritual investigators, people who don't believe in God, don't believe in Jesus. We've welcomed people here who are skeptics and who wouldn't normally go to a church so that they can explore for God on their own here kind of observing the ways uh, or the natural habitats of Christians uh, as we worship here. We have an open door for everyone. And you know, part of the reason for that is because one night Jesus walked through a door and he walked through the door of a guy named Matthew's house. And in Matthew's house were all these people that the Bible called notorious sinners, see? And since the Pharisees were some very religious types and they were always trolling Jesus, you know, following him around, looking for something he was doing wrong. And the, the Pharisees went up to Jesus' disciples and asked him, well, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Is what he called them. Because they weren't believing people he called them. And look how Jesus responded to that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so when you come to church here, uh, what we've come to realize is that we're all sick and we all need the help of God, whether you have a religious background or not. And we all want to come and seek him at our own pace as uh, God graciously brings us along. And that is why we play the style of music that we play here and we have casual dress and we try and communicate things with language that hopefully everyone can understand and not use a lot of Christianese or a lot of uh, churchy kind of language in that. Uh, that is why we offer the types of classes that we do because who are we targeting here at City Church downtown? Is it just people who are uh, church people that you know from work or whatever and they already go to a church and they're already happy with that church but sometimes they get mad at their church? Do we want them to reconcile with their church and stay there? Or do we want to kind of drag them over here? Well, I think we all know the answer to that, right? We're not looking to add to our number from people who are mad at their church. We're looking to add to our number people who are unchurched. A lot of folks here, uh, maybe were forced to go to mass a couple of times a year, Easter and Christmas by family members, mom or grandma or someone like that, but you've never had a real church. We welcome people who don't have a church here, the skeptics, the unbelieving to come here. That's how we want to grow. And that brings up another door that we have before us, a door of opportunity as a community together. 
See, people are gonna converge on our city from all over the world on Christmas, or rather Easter weekend because of the final four basketball tournament that's coming to the Alamo Dome right here in our backyard. And at first, when I found out about this, I was actually a little bit bummed because we like to use Sunset Station for our Easter services a lot of years, don't we? And it holds the numbers of people that wanna come. But because of the NCAA tournament, uh, uh, the Final Four has basically paid big bucks to rent out all of Sunset Station, so we can't have it this year. Furthermore, they actually rented one of our parking lots, and so I was kind of bummed about it. But then I started praying and reflecting upon it, and it was like the Lord was telling me something. And I believe he was telling me Doug, this is not a bad thing, but this is a door of opportunity to walk through as a church. Because like God's saying, I'm bringing people here from all over the planet who might wander into the cameo. I'm bringing them here. They think they're coming for basketball, but I'm bringing them here to hear the gospel in the cameo uh, during that time. And so what we did, we worked to get our Easter church services listed on the final four list of churches. And so in a sense, we're kind of like an official church service of the final four uh, basketball tournament. See, that's the way we think of it. So in addition, so we're gonna try best we can to get flyers out to the hotels and uh, get the word out to people who are coming here from out of town to come to one of our services. But um, at the same time, we want to open doorways for people to come in who are our friends and family, you know? Because there are people in our lives that we want to invite here to um, come to a relationship with God. And I was thinking about this when I was hanging out with some of the friends in my neighborhood, um, all of whom are unbelievers. And for whatever reason, they're willing to hang out with a pastor. And we're hanging out, and these are very well-educated people, uh, several are college students and some Ivy League trained, and I was bummed out one night after we were hanging out because, uh, you know, I've explained to them uh, some of my views of spirituality and God and Jesus and all of that, but uh, some of them, their worldview is such that they don't believe there's a real purpose to life, and that when we die, we just fertilize the grass. And that bummed me out because these are really great people that I love to be around and I can't imagine spend eternity without them. There are a lot of people in the world that I can, I can imagine spending eternity without some people. Some people really annoy me to no end and I'm thinking, God, keep them out. And I know God's working on me on that because God even loves annoying people. But um, I want you to think for just a minute about your own heart because there are people in your life that are unbelieving and if what the Bible says is true, they'll spend an eternity apart from God. And I hope it grieves you. It grieves me. And you know, we, we don't try and force anything on anyone, do we? We're not that guy that's gonna stand up on a street corner with a bullhorn and yell at people and tell them they're judged or anything like that. That's not our role. But what we do wanna do is explain to people God's love and at least open through the door of an invite to come. And on Easter weekend, we're going to, uh, I guess, teach a very simple and clear gospel. And so I wanna, I'm gonna ask you for a commitment to make some invites of your friends. Because it could be that when you think about the unbelieving people that you know, and it starts to grieve you, it could be a whisper from God that you're to at least make the invite to come. And perhaps your friends would even, like my friends, I think, 
as I invite them, whether or not they'll come, I know that they might help us with our four San Antonio drive for the homeless because they're good and compassionate people. And so now I wanna ask you, how many of you, raise of hands thing again, and by the way, before we do the raise of hands, we were gonna do this like contest, you know, where we would like give you prizes if you invited the most amount of friends. And I thought about that. I just had a check in my spirit about that. And you know why? Uh, certainly there's nothing wrong with having fun contests and stuff like that. I don't know that I want us to be inviting people to church just to win a contest. I think I want it to be because we really do care about people and want people to spend eternity with God. And so with that in mind, if there's someone that pops into your head right now that you would be willing to at least put the invite out there to them to invite them to our Easter services, would you just raise your hands with me if you'll walk through that doorway with me? Anybody? And don't feel bad if you're not willing to. That's cool. Okay, good, good. And some of you are still thinking about it. Some of you are still asleep. Um, but we'll keep talking about this. This is a doorway that God has for us. Now, in order to accommodate the numbers of people that may come on Easter, um, we are gonna add four more services in addition to our regular services. We're gonna have Friday services. So what that means is, is that some of you that are regulars around here may wanna consider and pray about worshiping on another day other than actually Easter Sunday on that weekend. We're gonna have Good Friday services. It's gonna be the same service that happens on Sunday. Um, those services are gonna happen at 6 and 7.30 p.m. Then on Saturday morning, we're gonna have services at 10 and 11.30. And then we'll have our regular service times on Sunday, the 8.30, um, 10, 11.30 and one. Uh, now, the fourth frame of the door involves friends, but not your friends that you're going to invite to church, but something else. Look at Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as what? As friends. And you know, some of you have been led to believe that God is just the judge and that God is holy and sovereign and certainly he's all of those things, but that's why it makes it so special that he wants to be my friend. It's like the God of the universe that created everything wants to be my friend. I'm not that interesting. I mean, you know, why would he want to be my friend? And that's what he wants from you. As I was thinking about this, um, I, I was thinking about last week, a friend of mine text messaged me and the text message says, hey, uh, Doug, you want to go to dinner tonight? My treat. And you know how cheap I am. It's like, he had me at my cheat, my treat, right? And it's like, I'm, I'm my cheat. My treat. And so um, I'm like totally down with it. So that night he gets over to my house. He knocks on my door. It's like, it's me. And I, of course, immediately answer the door. I invite him in, uh, you know, just for a minute before I go to the restaurant. And he brings me this gift. And I'm so excited about the gift, you know. And he, he gave me a copy of, a, of his book that he's just written. Um, he completed this book, and it's really good. Um, and we were kind of celebrating the numbers of copies that his book is selling. I'm not going to tell you my friend's name because he would be embarrassed by that. But um, anyways, we were celebrating that. And one of the things that was kind of flattering to me is he wrote a nice note in there. And he mentioned my name because we've known each other for years. I'm not a big deal, but he mentioned my name in the book. And he said some nice things about me. And I was kind of flattered by that. You know, he's just kind of, it's kind of like, he said some really nice things about me in the book. And it's like, they're so true. <laughs> But 
then we, we walked over to a near downtown restaurant. And when, when we got there, you know, we ordered the appetizer. I love the Brussels sprouts at this particular restaurant. So we got the Brussels sprouts. They were just fantastic. And I noticed that my friend, because he's kind of well-known around town, and he knew this like world-renowned chef that was sitting at the table next to us. And uh, this particular chef has actually cooked for a United States president some years ago. And so you know you're at a good restaurant if like a really good chef is eating there at the table next to you. And so then we had to order the main dish and it was, we went ahead and got the prime rib. And look, my vegan and vegetarian friends, I'm so sorry. I mean, I just, I know you're judging me right now for getting that prime rib. Uh, but man, I just, I don't know why. I just love to eat things that can run for their lives. And, you know, so I, I, I ate it and check it out. And it was, it was cooked to perfection, man. I just loved that. It was so good. And the conversation, it was one of those nights, you know, those nights where the conversation is so good and the food is good. You just want to keep on eating. You just want to keep on talking. And we walked home. The weather was perfect. And we just had a fantastic evening. Now I want you to rewind for just a minute to the beginning of the delightful evening. What if when my friend got to my house and he knocked on my door, I had my headphones in and I'm just like, watching, you know, Netflix or something with my headphones in and I'm not listening for the door. And he'd be out there knock. He's knocking. He's like, it's me, it's me. <laughs> I would have missed out on that whole evening. Now, if I would have been wearing my headphones and he's just left, him, he's just left standing on the porch, he might rethink having my name in his book. You know what I'm saying? He might have a, like a new version. It's like, I'm gonna X that guy out. <laughs> And he certainly wouldn't have bought an awesome meal for me. And here's what I want you to understand. Is that in Revelation 3, you know, Jesus says he doesn't want to erase your name from his book. He has this book that's more important than any book on this earth. But he wants your name to be in there. And he wants you to hear his voice. Because he wants to have a meal with you and be friends. And you know, this text was actually written to Christian believers. And Jesus is knocking at the door of a lot of believers who have grown stale. And he's like, hey, I wanna spice things up for you. I wanna shake you up just a little bit. And the reason for that is not because I wanna hurt you or anything, but it's because I want us to have this friendship meal together. I wanna have an amazing evening together as friends. And I think it's certainly true for unbelievers as well. If you find yourself sitting here, came with a friend or whatever, and not someone who believes in Jesus, what you need to know from the scripture is, is that Jesus paid a very high price to pay for your meal, your meal in the kingdom. And look, the meal, the awesome meal that I enjoyed with my friend the other night, we would both say that there's, it's nothing compared to the feast of the kingdom of God when we enter in. And Jesus paid a very high price when he died on the cross to pay for you to get in, to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. So let's keep that in mind as we bow for prayer. And perhaps you'd want to talk to God right now and just say something like this. Look, God, um, I want a relationship with you and I've been thinking about it. And for some reason, I have a peace in my heart right now that I, I can believe in you and I can uh, believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died there for me. And so God, I welcome you into my life. Some of us are believers and we're just having people come to our minds that we care about and we know we can't make people believe, but we're gonna start praying and we're gonna start putting out those invites to Easter services.
we're going to shake our spiritual lives up, God, because we don't want you to have to do it. It's way easier if we'll just do it. And we want to have compassion for the poor and serve them and love them. And so Lord, help us return to our first loves. As you knock on our doors, God, we want to open the door. We want to first hear your voice, open the door and let you in for that great meal. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.